Hi, and welcome to the Dream Permit Podcast, a podcast dedicated to inspiring moms and empowering moms to live up to their full potential without viewing motherhood as a hindrance. And I'm your host, Emma. I'm so glad you're here. This episode is sponsored by my signature coaching program, You Unveiled. Do you feel like you've lost your identity to motherhood? Do you have dreams you would like to achieve but you feel you can't simply because you're now a mom? Would you like to make extra income utilizing skills and gifts you already possess? If you answered yes to any of the questions, I'd love to chat with you. Let's see if you're a good fit for the program. Book a free call at dreampermit.com slash chat. That is dreampermit.com forward slash chat. Let's get your identity back and make you some money. and welcome back again on another episode of the Dream Permit Podcast. On this episode, we'll be discussing diastasis recti. I'm sure you're thinking, what is that? Well, we're addressing the topic, why your belly is not flat. And to tackle this topic, I have Audrey Adakwe Curry. To learn more about her, Audrey is a board-certified psychiatric nurse practitioner at Mercy Hospital, Wisconsin and an associate professor in psychiatry at Herzen University, Madison, Wisconsin. She graduated from University of Maryland, Baltimore, and has been in the field of psychiatry for the past 11 years. She started her nursing career at Johns Hopkins Hospital in Baltimore in 2007 and has been in the field of psychiatry since. She's a mother of three beautiful children and the wife. She's also a fitness enthusiast and her passion is fitness, nutrition, and healthy living. Welcome, Audrey. It's nice to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So today, we will need your help in discussing why our bellies are not flat. So for the most part, right, most moms tend to have this um, mommy pouch, so to quote unquote. Oh, it's just a mommy pouch. It's just a mommy pouch. And from our conversation earlier, it you made me understand that is actually diastasis recti. So can you explain to the listeners what is diastasis recti? All right. So diastasis recti, I actually never knew what that was until I had my very first baby. Um, and I think before I had my baby, one of my biggest concerns was that I was going to, you know, be done um, with my pregnancy and I was going to have one of the bulging bellies that I see so frequently in women who had had children. Um, I think growing up, um, I had come to equate big belly with childbirth and I thought that everybody will get a big belly after they have children. And I think most people up till this day um, still think that. Um, and it tends yeah. to be quite common, which is which is um, unfortunate. And I figured, you know, I wanted to find out why does you know why do people's belly get bigger after they have children? I mean, after you're done being pregnant, the baby is not there anymore. So why doesn't the belly go back to how it used to be? Um, and so after I had my baby, um, I had this bulging belly and I didn't actually gain much weight from my pregnancy at all. So I was expecting that once, you know, I was not pregnant anymore, my belly will automatically sort of shrink back to where I started. Um, but I always had this bulge that it was okay up until, you know, you know, sometimes it wasn't until I ate that I would really recognize that my belly was really bulging. When I would go to events, I would want to take all my pictures before I ate. You all know how that feels, right? And so I want to take all my pictures before I eat anything. If I was going to be wearing a swimsuit, I want to make sure that I don't have to eat because otherwise the bulge only gets bigger. 
Um, and so what I realized was one day I was just kind of like laying down and I was um, trying to do some sit-ups that I had been doing before I was pregnant. And when I tried to do a crunch, I saw this this huge bulge um, coming out of my belly. So I touched it and it just felt like really soft and just not normal. And I also realized that other than just bulging, it was quite sensitive more than the rest of my stomach. Um, and so when I researched and I found out what this diastasis recti is, pregnancy is sort of like an injury to the abdominal walls because it stretches out the abdominal walls. And mm. all of us, um, when you look at your belly, right in the middle where your navel is, if you kind of run your um, hand from the top of your, you know, sort of like where your chest bone right under your breast and you take it all the way down to your um, pubic bone, there is a, one ligament that kind of runs from top to bottom um, through the very center of our belly. And when you get pregnant, that ligament sort of starts to split because of the stress um, on the abdominal muscles from the bulging of the pregnancy. And so when that ligament splits, it weakens and it actually um, becomes like if, if you put your hands together and you part it, that's sort of what happens. A gap is created by the stress of the pregnancy in that split. So the split is no more, no more jointed like it was before you got pregnant. Okay. Mm. And so when that split happens now, Everything that is under that split, which is your gut, your intestines, your other muscles, um, everything that was being held back is now free to sort of bulge through. Okay. Oh, this sounds very yucky. Like, so you're saying the intestines and everything just like... Yes. They, 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 they kind of come out bulge. to play. They do. It's like... They do. And it, it's, you know, and that that is sort of like when you picture it, that's exactly what they're doing. It's like, voila, they're out to play. And that's why when there is no food in the belly, it's flatter. But when there is food, ah. there is nothing to hold it back. Right. Yeah, I see. Exactly. Exactly. And so and so um, basically you don't have any guard against everything else that is in your belly. Everything else, the gate has been opened. And so they just protrude through. And so you end up with that big bulging belly. Mm. So how do I know if I have it, for instance? How can the listeners know if they have it? And so um, I think education and awareness is very powerful. If you know there is something like this that exists, then you will be more likely to look out for it. Okay. Um, the way that you can check to see if you have this splitting or this diastasis recti is you have to lay down flat. Okay. Um, lay down and make sure your, your head is not on a pillow or anything. Just lay down. Um, I usually say, you know, find a comfortable carpet or find a comfortable yoga um, mat or anything that is not, you know, even like your kids, um, the cots or the sleeping mats that they take to daycare, for example. Lay down and make sure that you're making contact with the ground with your back, okay? Especially okay. your lower back. Make sure your lower back is making contact with the ground. And what you want to do is most times um, people try to crunch or do like a sit up to check for this. That's not what you want to do. You want to just sort of look straight up at the sky or at the ceiling and lift your chin up. So your chin and your shoulders, lift that up and continue to have contact with your back to the ground. So you lift your chin and your shoulders off the ground. And while you're doing this, you're feeling in your stomach. And I actually um, made a video about how to check for this because it actually needs to be demonstrated um, for oh. people to know exactly how that maneuver is like. And what you do is while you're crunching up like that, you know, lifting your, your, um, your chin straight off the ground and your shoulders straight off the ground, you feel with your hands, you sort of like, um, sort of hold your stomach 
your belly from both sides. You hold your waist um, around your navel and you start to feel your belly towards your navel. Okay, so like little by little from your sides, you feel your belly and make your way towards the navel with both hands from both sides. And as you do that, you will realize that you come to a part if you have this split where your belly muscles kind of stop and there is nothing there. It's just a big hole. Okay, and that's how you would know if you have mm -hmm. the split or not. Because if you don't have a split and you're crunching off the ground like that, your stomach should be hard the whole way to your navel. But if you have a split, you will get to a point where it feels kind of buggy. Like there is nothing uh, there and it just feels really, really soft instead of hard. Like, like a gel. <laughs> like a gel. Like it almost feels like, like balloon, a deflated balloon or jello or something like that. Right. Uh, and then once you feel that, you kind of, you want to, you want to stick your fingers through there to see how big it is. Right. Okay. And yeah, you want to see how big that gap is because that gap can range anywhere um, from, and the way we measure it is by our fingers. So it can range anywhere from nothing at all to the width of your five fingers, sometimes even bigger than the width mm. of your five fingers. Yeah. Wow. And so it, it, it can be quite big. So can this be detected, can it be detected during um, pregnancy? And so during pregnancy, it can be detected during pregnancy. Um, but I think for, um, for, especially for ladies who are not used to doing abdominal exercises before pregnancy, it's probably going to be kind of challenging to, to do that during pregnancy. When you crunch during pregnancy, not only is it uncomfortable, but it's actually much harder to sort of tighten your abdominal muscles when you're pregnant, but it can be detected during during pregnancy. Um, healthcare providers are very skilled in detecting this. And so when you go for your appointments, you can always ask for them to help you check for this split and teach you how to check for this split as well. Okay. Okay. So, and that should be after, um, after your six weeks appointment, can they, can they check it with a ultrasound machine? No, they, they cannot check it with the ultrasound machine. Um, it, it's, it's basically done all by feeling the abdomen. Um, but of course, if they do an abdominal x-ray, they can see that. But no, oh, okay. no healthcare provider is going to use an x-ray just to check for a gap. <laughs> um, so it's, 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 it's always going to be just by, you know, either your healthcare provider's hands or your hands. But I think okay. it's empowering to learn how to do it yourself so you can monitor your progress at home yeah that makes sense and i'll be linking for the listeners i'll be linking um audrey's video in the show notes so you can actually watch how she shows us how to um figure out if we have diastasis recti so the next question i was going to ask you is so what if um what if once someone has actually figured this out oh actually i know i have diastasis recti how can this be treated okay and so that that's that's a really good question because i think for most people um, we all are very used to seeing ab exercises done on all these social media platforms by you know all you know people who are really big into going to the gym or people who are way advanced in their fitness journey we see them doing all these crunches all these um bicycle crunches and all that and we our mind goes right to that oh my belly is big I need to do crunches. I need to do sit-ups. I need to do planks. I need to do all these, um, you know, advanced exercises. Um, but the unfortunate thing is when people jump straight to those exercises, which I've had, I had a cousin who um, was watching some of the things that I used to post on my Instagram. And she started doing some of these exercises and she didn't know that she had a gap. Okay. And she realized that her belly was actually getting worse and bigger because she was doing the wrong exercises. If you have a split and you go 
before the conventional exercises, it will make your belly worse. So you have to know what specific exercises you can do that are safe for your split and that can actually heal your split. These exercises are actually called it was actually first made by a nurse called Nurse Tupler, and it's called the Tupler Technique. The Tupler Technique basically talks about what exercises are safe to do when you have a split. And these exercises are pretty much very dialed down abdominal exercises. And although they look very, very simple, that is how you start to heal that split. Okay. And I always think about those exercises. Like if somebody is a runner and they tear their Achilles tendon, right? Which is very, which is a very common injury in people who run. You don't, for the first day they, they get back on the field. We don't tell them to go do like a hundred meter sprint. Or if you break your leg in an accident, you have an injury. You start out with stretching. The physical therapist yeah. will guide you through very gradual progression of exercises. Okay. And so when I see people with this split go straight for these hardcore exercises, it's kind of putting somebody who just broke their leg and they just got out of crutches. You put them on the field <laughs> and you tell them to run, right? To run, <laughs> yeah. You tell them to run a hundred meter dash with Hussein Bolt. That <laughs> does not work. Okay, you, you have to start somewhere very slow. And so these um, specific exercises, which have like really, really tiny, tiny crunches and really easy breathing exercises and also just like bending techniques and, you know, simple body mechanic exercises to get you to where you're, you're actually healing your split and not injuring your split even further. Okay. And this is also something that needs to be demonstrated. It's, it's, it's not easy to describe it um, by words because you have to make sure you're using the right body mechanics. Otherwise you tend to cause more injury to your belly than helping. Mm. So I can hear you say, um, don't do crunches. Don't do this. So can you highlight at least like five do's and don'ts? Okay. For so a mom I, currently listening and she's like, okay, Kay, I need to know like A, B, C, D. What are the things I should do and what are the things I should not do? What would actually worsen this situation? Okay. And so the things that you should not do is do not do those conventional hardcore abdominal exercises that you see everywhere. Those are going to harm you more than help you. Okay, so don't do those exercises. That's the first don't. The second don't is don't use the wrong body mechanics. And by wrong body what mechanics, do you mean by that? I mean, yeah. yeah, by that, I mean, um, when people, for example, when you're a mom, you do so much bending um, over and picking up children and, and doing laundry and cleaning and all that. There is a correct way of bending and the wrong way of bending okay um mm. are yes there is <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> because you know when you're busy and you just want to get something done like let's say you want to put your kid in the car seat we yeah. what we usually do is we bend with our back right we bend all the way over and meanwhile while we're bending our belly is just letting go and we're not thinking about our belly muscles right um or let's say you are picking your car seat off the ground you just bent over and pick up the car seat without thinking about are you use are you did you bend the right way or did not the right way to bend is every time you go to engage your core and when i say engage your core any time that you're moving from a standing position to either yeah. a sitting position or any time you're changing positions from sitting to standing standing to sitting lying down to sitting down, sitting down to lying down, that is engaging your core. It means that you're going to be bending your spine, right? And so anytime mm. you think you're going to be bending your spine, 
spine, you are engaging your core. And your core is where the split is. And if you're trying to protect this split, you have to think about this split every time you go to bend your spine. And the way you protect your core is when you go to pick up your children, you always want to think about tightening your abdominal muscles, okay? You tighten it so that it's almost like you're sucking in your belly, but you're not only sucking it in, but you're also pulling your belly close to your spine and up towards your chest. Is that a good visual? So you suck in close to your spine and then you Mm -hmm. pull it up towards your chest. That is how you protect it. So you do that maneuver every time you change positions. You do that maneuver when you go to pick up your children, when you pick up your car seat, when you're picking up your laundry basket. You do that because what that does is it brings that split together and protects your gut and your intestines from pushing through to even split it even more. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think I read, I don't know if it's an article or a conversation or a video where um, someone was saying to act, if you have diastasis recti, that you have to turn to your shoulder, your side to kind of stand up off the bed, stand off from the bed. And I was like, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And I I think that was something I demonstrated in in my video. video? Okay. So it must have been your video then. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, if, if you're laying down and you're getting up and you can kind of check this out yourself, when you're laying down and you're trying to get off the bed and you're getting up, um, you know, kind of bending at your waist and sitting up that way, you, will, you can tell that your belly bulges out. It bulges out because of all that pressure on the belly. Mm-hmm. And so the right way to do that is you turn to your side, okay? And if you turn to your side, then you can use your arms to push off the bed without putting all that pressure on your belly. And that is when, when I talk about anytime you engage your core, protect your core. Yeah, okay. So that is the right way to get off the bed. To... Okay, I see, I see. Okay. Uh, what about using the regular, um, you know what we use these days, what women use, um, like a binder, a corset, or a waist, yeah, a waist cincher. Can that help? So the waist center, (laughs) that is, that is, um, I actually, I own a waist center, but there is a right way to use the waist center. Um, you know, the waist center, I think, um, you can, you can use it the right way and you can use it the wrong way as well. A lot of women, I think, I think, um, the waist center has usually been sort of advertised by celebrities, right? And I tell people to watch out for some of those lies because when you see someone who tells you they got their stomach flat just by using a waist center or a waist (laughs) trainer, yeah, okay, they are lying to you. They just want to make their money off of that brand that they're representing. Okay. A waist cincher does not, uh, you know, help you to lose your belly fat. It does not do that. A waist cincher. And so the, the, the bulging of the belly, there are two things that can make people's belly bulge. There is belly fat and then there is the diastasis recti. Okay. Diastasis recti does not mean you have fat in your belly. It just means that your abdominal muscles are weak. And so it's allowing for your intestines to bulge out. Belly fat is because you have too much weight on. And so some of the weight has collected around your middle. Okay. And so some people will say, I use the waist center to lose my belly fat. The only way you can lose a belly fat is by doing fat burn exercises and cutting down on the amount of food that you eat. Okay. But if your belly is bulging because it's due to diastasis recti, which is the abdominal muscle splitting and allowing your gut to poke through, you can use a belly cincher with limitations to help close that gap. Because the, what mm. the belly cincher does for you is when I talked about engaging your core and protecting your core, when you have a belly cincher on, it kind of reminds you to suck in your belly 
right? At all times. Because when you have the censure on it, it sort of forces you to do that. Yeah. Okay? You can't even and breathe so sometimes. You, exactly. It makes you think about that a little more. And so the belly censure, what it's actually meant to do is it's meant to be worn about an hour to two hours of the day where women will wear this to practice how to engage their core at all times, how to suck in at all times and, you know, suck in the belly and pull the navel up so that you are tightening your abdominal muscles at all times. And even with the belly cincher, if you're not holding in, if you're not actively holding in, it is yeah. not going to help you. Okay. The belly cincher is, is kind of like if you um, have... A, you know, a rubber band and you put it around your, your wrist, it's going to create, it's going to create that, that, um, like a, a gap. Well, how do I call it? Um, it, when you put a rubber band, it's going to create that sort of dent, right? It's going to create yes, a dent yes. because yeah. it's pressure, it's pressure. And that is what the belly center, you know, will do for some people. It will cause that pressure. And for people who do it, you know, extremely, they wear it like 20 hours of the day. And that pressure just continues to create that dent and create that dent. It does, it, it is not healthy to use it in that way. That is not what it's for. Um, women who use the belly cincher for more than an hour to two hours during the day actually find themselves with constipation issues, um, other stomach problems like acid reflux, because they are, they're sort of crunching all their organs. They're not giving their organs room. Yeah. I've had that before that you can displace your organs. You can can displace your organs. Your uterus gets shifted. Your stomach gets shifted. Your intestines get shifted and that is not healthy um, for you. But if you're wearing it an hour to two hours of the day, to help you practice how to suck in your belly muscles and pull your navel up so that you are tightening your abdominal muscles, right? And, you know, it trains you to do that at all times. Then you take it off and you continue to practice, right? It's, it's just a guide. That is what the belly center is for. It's just a guide. So, in it, the beginning. so if I'm hearing you correctly, what you're saying is even while wearing the, um, belly center you still need to suck your tummy in exactly by yourself yourself. because if you're not sucking in the belly center is very passive it's not strengthening your belly it's not right in order for muscle strengthening there has to be active use of the muscle and so you have to use your strength to to sort of use your muscle you have to use your strength to suck in your muscle the belly center does not suck in your muscles. It just presses it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I get what you mean. Yeah. It's just pressing it in. And once you remove it, everything just pours back out. <laughs> exactly. It's yeah. just pressing it in. Once you remove it, everything just goes back to normal. Unless you are wearing it extremely like the ladies you see on TV. But yeah. even those ladies you see on TV, they've had their ribs removed. They've oh, had wow. their. They, I'm telling you, they do extreme things to lie to us that all they did was that. They get some of their ribs removed and they get their butts done. If anybody, if your butt got twice as big, your belly is going to look smaller, right? Yeah. So they get their, they get their butt done. They remove a rib and they tell you, oh, my belly, my stomach is smaller. (laughs) It's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. So please don't listen to the lies. So what if, so I saw because earlier you said something about, um, belly fat and, um diastasis recti so and you said belly fat has to do with food so what kind of what kind of food helps with getting rid of the belly fat do you do is it a low carb diet ketosis um there's so many diets now like which one works for losing the belly fat so imagine a mom that has the belly fat and diastasis recti, what would you advise her to do? Hard to do. And so if there is a mom who has the diastasis recti and belly fat, um, first I want to say focus on the diastasis recti exercises and um, engaging your core and those things I talked about for the diastasis recti part. For the fat part, for the fat part, 
we will treat it just like any obesity or any extra fat that you have on your body. Um, and the thing with fat loss is you cannot pick and choose what part of your body loses fat. Okay. Fat loss basically just comes from eating less calories than your body needs. Okay. And so when you lose weight, it will, you will lose weight from your belly. You will lose weight from your thighs. You will lose weight from your arms. It's going to come off of everywhere. Okay. Genetically, everybody has a part of their body that is easier for them to lose weight. Okay. For some people, when they lose weight, they lose it first in their breast. For others, they lose it first in their cheeks. For others, they lose it first in their waist. And so wherever your body loses weight first will be where the weight will come off of. Okay. And so I think uh, the, the truth about weight loss is some people think that, oh, I'm just going to cut down my weight, uh, my food, and I will lose weight from my belly. It won't be from your belly only. It will be from everywhere else. Okay. Um, and so with that said, the mm -hmm. best thing to do for weight loss is what we call caloric deficit. Caloric deficit just means eating much less calories than your body needs. Okay. Um, and so in, in doing that, there's so many diets out there. And I think with every diet, I am not a big fan of dieting for long periods of time. I tell people, if you have a goal, let's say you have a goal, you want to lose 20 pounds and you want yeah. to go in a diet to do that. That is okay. Right. Okay. But you cannot, you cannot do a diet for the rest of your life. And so if you have a lot of weight to lose, it's probably going to be to your own advantage if you do a lifestyle change, which would be something that you can do for a long time. So something like um, the concept of Weight Watchers. Weight Watchers is yeah. mostly about portion control. It's mostly about cutting down on everything that you eat. You can eat basically all the food groups that you want. You just don't want to go over a certain amount. And this is why I, I truly believe in portion control because you can do portion control the rest of your life. Because once you lose the weight, then you have to maintain the weight. The weight, yes. Right? Exactly. And if you're only doing diet after diet, after diet, after diet, that is not good for your body. Okay. And so you can do, you know, any of these diets that are out there, it's okay to do for a short period of time, two months, three months to lose your goal weight. And then you go to portion control or the concept of Weight Watchers. Portion control is what Weight Watchers use. And Weight Watchers is actually a lifestyle that people can do the rest of their life, except for the point counting, right? The point counting, I think, is just to train people on how to do portion control. And so if you learn portion control about how much carbohydrates you're supposed to have in a day, how much fruits and vegetables you're supposed to have in a day, how much meat you can have in a day, how much nuts you can have in a day, that truly is what starts your journey of healthy living for the rest of your life, okay? Um, and yeah. so that is the lifestyle change. But for, I think your question was, for a diet to lose weight, what do I recommend, yeah. okay? So for a diet to lose weight, I think the ketogenic diet, that's amazing things for people. You can lose weight really quickly. And I think when people can see results, it encourages them to keep going. And with the ketogenic diet, you see results really quickly, right? Um, oh. And there is also the, yeah, you see results very quickly. Um, but also the point to that that I'm making is that this is something you're going to do for a short period of time. Eight like, weeks. like, okay, yeah, a month, two Eight months. Weeks. Okay, and you're done. To, you know, six weeks, two months, 12 weeks tops and you're done. Right. Because, you know, and you have to do your research as well. You know, ketogenic diet, you know, I know people online who do ketogenic diet all the time and they've been doing it for years, but I'm, I'm interested to know what their cholesterol levels and all those things are because it's a high fat diet and a high protein diet. Um, it, it definitely your kidneys and your liver is not going to be happy for months and months if you're doing this diet. But for a short period of time, 
I support that because it gives the results that people are looking for. Um, it is actually not very, it's difficult to do, but it gives more liberty than other diets that I've heard. Um, okay. and then, you know, there, there are different diets, um, that can also be good. I think with every diet, you just have to be consistent with what the diet preaches and stick with it. Right. You can, you cannot do it for um, two days, you don't see results. And so you hop on another <laughs> diet. And then and I think that's usually why people don't see results. You know, they start um, a, a, a lemon, the cleansing diet, which is like all vegetables, just vegetables and fruits um, and lemon or, you know, apple cider or whatever. They started, they do it for three days. They don't see any weight loss. They give up. Their friend tells them they're doing a ketogenic diet. They do it for another week. They give up. And so they keep hopping. And so if you stick with any specific diet, you will see results. Mm. So this right. this um, ketogenic, you said it's high fat. That, to yes. me, it doesn't make sense in this sense. I'm sure because you're the expert, right? So you can explain this yes. more. How can you try to lose fat and you're feeding your body fat? Yeah. So the concept of the ketogenic diet is actually um, quite interesting because what happens with, with our bodies is that Usually, when we eat carbohydrates, right, when you're eating lots of carbohydrates, every time you eat carbohydrates, your insulin levels, and insulin is basically the hormone that is released when we eat carbohydrates to kind of help the body burn these carbohydrates out of our blood, right? And so every time we eat high carbohydrates, our blood sugar level goes really high and our insulin levels kick in. Our, our pancreas, which is what is responsible for um, kind of secreting this insulin, that every time the pancreas senses carbohydrate in, or sugar in the blood, it releases insulin. And every time your insulin is released, it stores fat in your body. Okay. And so mm, okay. when people, and so your, your, your body stores fat when it senses high insulin levels. Okay. And so that's why, um, people who eat lots and lots of sugar, the more sugar you eat, the more fat you store. It's not necessarily because the sugar turns to fat, but it's just that when your blood sugar level spikes up, insulin is released. And every time insulin is released, your body stores fat because it sees that, oh, there's more food coming. Let me store this one that I have. There's no need to burn this one. There's more food coming. <laughs> yeah, there's um, more food coming. And, and, and there's more food coming. Let's, let's store this one. There's more coming for me to use for energy. And um, the ketogenic diet, when you eat um, protein and fat, protein and fat do not um, allow, they, they don't, they're sort of, this insulin is not as sensitive to protein and fat in your blood as much as it is to sugar, right? When you eat oh. protein, when you eat protein, some insulin is released, but it is not as much insulin as when you eat sugar or carbohydrates, okay? And so when you eat protein and fat, very little sugar is in your blood, and so there's very little insulin that is released, and so your body doesn't store fat. Mm, I think I, I get okay? it now. And... Yeah. And when people are eating basically just fat and protein, they get to the point where um, they are they are said to be in ketosis. And ketosis means that all your body is using for energy is fat. And that that is and when your body is using fat ah, basically so for energy. You use the fat that you have to make the energy because there is no, the body prefers to use carbohydrates for energy. And so if there is carbohydrate, it doesn't need to burn the fat. That is the other thing. But if there is no carbohydrate, it is forced to use the fat as energy. And so it burns the fat. That's, 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 that's good to know. That's good information yes. right there. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Okay ketogenic diet guys are you listening it's ketogenic diet <laughs> so what about you mentioned um 
you mentioned two things that I want to follow up on. You said when you're losing weight, you lose when you're losing fat, you lose everywhere. So what if I want like the big bomb bomb just like yours and the flat <laughs> guys? If you've seen her picture, go and check Audrey's picture. Hmm, that's all I can say. <laughs> so what if I want the big bomb and the flat tummy, you know, all spicy and hot? So are you saying that I sh- my dreams are dashed? I might as well just forget that. Or is there something I could do? Oh, there is hope. There is <laughs> certainly hope. There is hope. And so that's actually, um, that is a personal experience that I had. Um, so I, I wanted to, after high school, I had gained a lot of weight. But girl, my butt was on fire because, like I said, genetically, everybody has a part of their body that they gain weight easily and a part of their body that they lose weight easily. For me, I lose weight very easily in my breast. Okay. Mm. And so when mm-hmm. I gain, when I, and, and when I gain weight, I gain it in my breast and my butt. And so needless to say, when I lose weight, I lose it in my breast and my butt. And so in high school, I had gained so much weight. I was looking very rounded. <laughs> my, 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 my butt was on fire. My boobs were like all the way out there. But guess what? My belly what? had also grown with it. And wow. so it had my belly had grown with it um that's because genetically that's just how i'm built if i gain weight in my butt and breast i gain it in my belly as well so in order to lose my belly fat it meant that i was going to lose some of the fat in my breast and some of the fat in my butt but there is hope in that you cannot control where you lose weight from but you can control where you build muscle and Okay. And so that's where weight training comes in. So you first, you lose the fat, but don't, don't give up hope. Everybody's going to tell you, Oh man, you lost all your butt. You lost. (laughs) It's okay. Don't lose hope. The butt is going to come back. That is when you start going hard on your squats and all your butt exercises and your glute muscle exercise. That's why a lot of people make a lot of noise about glute exercises, butt exercises, because you can build your butt with exercises while keeping your belly flat. You can build your chest with exercises and your um, breasts will not necessarily be as full as they used to be because you can only, as a woman, you can only build your chest muscle so much, right? And so, for example, I used to, let's say, this is a lot of personal information, but it's just to give you an idea. Okay. I used to be, I used to be like a, a D cup um, at, when I had all the weight. And then when I lost weight, I came down to a B. That is a big drop. Yeah. <laughs> nah, that's like a self, self-confidence self issue. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Give me back my I property. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. Give me back my boobs. But then when I tried to gain weight again, my belly was getting big again. So it's ah. kind of you have to make a choice. And so I started doing chest exercises, which is the push-ups and the bench presses and things like that. And it built my chest muscle under my boobs. And so now I have a C. And so I'm not at a B, I'm not at a, at a D, but I can settle for a C. Right? Yes. So because now my belly is still flat, I don't have to worry at, about a big belly. And I have done squats and lunges and all that to build my butt. So maybe it's not as big as people used to know me in high school. But if you didn't know me in high school, it's pretty good still, you know. And so I, I kind of, you know, ha- had to choose, um, you know. A fat butt is not all that life is about, is what I think about. And, you know, when, when my I used to be much bigger in my thighs and butt and all that, I actually felt uncomfortable. I was like, why are people's eyes enjoying all these looks? Meanwhile, I'm suffering. My legs are, <laughs> my thighs are straight, you know, chafing when I walk and I have to wear like, um, a body shaper all the time, which is uncomfortable. Why are people enjoying what they see? Meanwhile, I'm suffering in this body, you know? Mm. So it, it, it's not all that glamorous when you, you honestly think about it. But the, the, I think that the bottom line is you will not lose it all. You can build it back up. Okay. You can build that, it back that's, up. That's hallelujah. <laughs> that's yes, the good you news. Can, you, 
Yeah, you can build it back up. And, and you know, it's not until you lose weight that you will know what part of your body goes away with weight loss. And I think for, for a lot of, um, you know, for my, my African women that I know, genetically, they are built a little different where their butts are always going to be bigger than the rest of their body. I don't know. But, you know, genetically, if your butt is big, you will lose just so much weight out of your butt. Okay. And so you, you don't worry that you're going to lose all of your butt or all of your boobs if genetically you, you're built that way. Okay. Okay. So what, what about, what about, um, because you've, you've just made, you've just like calmed my nerves. So now I understand <laughs> that I can have the moderate butt, the flat tummy and the moderate boobs. And I could do with that. It doesn't have to be massively big. I could do moderate, but I just wanted to know that I wouldn't be like a straight, <laughs> straight ruler. No, no, you will not be straight up and down that you won't be. <laughs> and you know, like I said, you, you can, when you're, if, if weight loss is not a goal anymore and you've lost all the weight that you want to lose and you're eating healthy, you're doing your portion control, it's just a lifestyle for you. And most of the time that you have, let's say you, you go to the gym, you can build different body parts that you want. Just do hundred squats a day, you know, whatever your butt will continue to grow with the muscle. Right. And so your butt will get bigger. Um, so you can, you can do that. You can certainly do that. So what about calorie? You mentioned calorie deficit. What if like mm-hmm. a mom, um, you know, there are some people in general, not even moms now, but there's some people in, okay. So I will use moms because that's my audience. There's some, there's some moms that don't understand, like don't have discipline. So, you know, you know, that our staple food is rice, right? Even even uh-huh. here in the U.S., so you eat yes. rice and then you decide to take one spoon and the sauce is so sweet and you keep going for more portions, even though your mind wants to eat just a handful, but the food is just so tempting and so delicious. You find yourself finishing it. Also, when you're feeding your kids, right, uh-huh. you tend to you're feeding them and they don't finish their food and you tend to finish their food. Because you're like, hey, you don't throw food away. You know that mindset, yes. right? Uh-huh, and so uh-huh. how do you deal with the calorie deficit if when you that is who you are as a person? How do you like... Yeah. So, uh, yeah. you know, I was just kind of chuckling as you were asking because I kind of knew you were going to say when you're feeding your kids, I sort of knew and they don't finish <laughs> it and you eat it. <laughs> this, is, this is because you know, because you don't want to throw the food away. So th- this is, I don't remember where I heard this, but somebody once said, you are not a trash can. And I think we should value <laughs> ourselves and know that about ourselves. We are not our kids' trash cans. If they don't finish their food, don't make yourself the trash can. Put it in the trash can instead of putting it into your body. Because when you put it in your body, and so when I heard that, I thought that was that was that actually helped me with all those little my kids won't finish it, and I'll finish that little bit of applesauce, and I'll finish yeah. that little bit of peanut butter. I, it actually helped me. Oh, it's Dr. Oz that said this years and years ago. He said, "You're not a trash can." And so, like every <laughs> time I would be eating, I my love kids him. will eat, and it's left with a little bit, and I will start to go. And it's like, uh, I am not their trash can because I am much more worth than a trash can. I would rather put it in the trash can. And so when you think about that, um, throwing it away, it's not going to cost you as much as you putting it in your body. I mean, that amount of food that you're throwing away now, maybe it is, I don't know, $1 versus that insulin syringe that you have to pay for, which is like $5,000. Yes. You know, it's like, if you, if you put it into perspective, it is not that expensive to throw it away. And so if it's about the throwing away, it's okay. It's better to throw it away than to harm your body with it. Um, but in terms of things tasting good and going for more and more and more. Yeah. I think, I, I, I think usually when you have put in work on your weight loss and you realize that you are undoing it with a specific food, it it kind of hurts to know. So I think for me, if you add exercise into the equation, exercise is hard, right? Exercise is hard. It takes commitment 
It takes time off of your, 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 you know, sweet sleep. You have to go to bed early or wake up earlier or all that. What helped me was that when I woke up earlier, 30 minutes early to do an exercise video, first thing in the morning, the rest of the day, if there was food, I was like, man, all that exercise I this I did this morning, I don't want to waste it. That was hard work. <laughs> yes. I don't want to waste it. And so <laughs> I, I think for me, it was always about, man, that hard work in the gym. I don't want to waste it because it is hard to exercise. And so that is kind of what helped me um, because I used to have a huge appetite. My appetite, and I told you about high school, my appetite was insatiable. I just could not stop. And so, but you know, healthy food fills you up much quicker than junk food. Yeah. For me, for me, if I have it in the house, I will eat it. And it's still that way up until this day. If I have it, I will eat it. So I don't buy it. And before I go grocery shopping, I make sure that I eat and I'm full so that I don't do any impulse buying. Because when you go to the grocery shop, grocery store or go food shopping hungry, you tend to buy unhealthy choices. So you eat true. before you go. Yeah, very It true. helps you make healthier choices. And if you have healthy things in the house, it's, 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 it's not as easy to keep going back for seconds when you have a good salad, right? You feel, you feel satisfied and you're good. Right. But if you have white rice, it's just the way it's an addiction thing. Right. Because the the junk food works in your brain, just like any addictive drug. The more you eat, the more you want. And so it's just going to do a self-fulfilling prophecy. So, the you know, you go for white rice. It's going to be really hard not to go for seconds because your brain. Exactly. Your brain is craving for more as soon as you finish that bowl. It's, It's like cocaine. Your brain is going to crave for more and more and more. Okay. And so in terms of those foods, and I know myself, I'm not able to control myself when I have white rice or when I make jollof or when I make, um, when I have plantain chips or, you know, those things are just so good. Your brain is going to crave more. But if I have brown rice, guess what? I go for my first round <laughs> and you're done and I'm done <laughs> and I'm done because it's not that good. Right. And, and that is the only way to overcome um, these things. But a- again, you can also train yourself. I mean, I still eat ice cream and I know to stop at one scoop, two scoops at the most, because you know, you, you think about the goal, keep your eye on the goal is what I say. Keep your eye on the results. Keep your eye on the goal every day. You may need a mantra, or a picture of what your goal is going to be, you know, in your bathroom, every morning you look at it and you say, my, I am still on my weight loss journey. And you say that to yourself every morning and it helps you do better in terms of your choices throughout the day, right? You may need to go back to it a few times throughout the day before every meal, you look at that mantra, you bring out that note card and you say 20 pound weight loss is still my goal. It it just helps you do better. Mm. So, so what if, like, so what if a mom right now has listened to this whole episode and she's like, and has watched the video that I would attach, and she's like, okay, so I have diastasis recti, how, and I want to fix this. How long does it take to heal, and when do I know to seek professional help in terms of surgery? Like, when do I okay. know? Okay, this is time for surgery, and how long? in general, does it take to fix in terms of two fingers, three fingers, four fingers? Okay. And so in terms of how long it takes to fix and if you need surgery or not, I think it's it's a really good idea when you go for your six-week checkup after you have your baby, right? It's a really good idea to talk about you know, bring that topic up, you know, do I have a split? Do I have diastasis recti? And, you know, sort, you know, kind of seek your medical professional's opinion on what yours look like and what they think can be helpful. For most women, if you have five fingers, right, which is your whole hand, you can stick through. If you have five fingers or less, you can correct that 
with these exercises, okay? But how oh, wow. long it's going to take, yes, if you have five fingers or less, you can use exercises to close it. And closing means anything two fingers or less, okay? Sometimes you can bring it down to two fingers and it just will not go back to what it used to be before you had children. You know, it's, it's just like any anything. If you have an injury, you can repair some injuries all the way to where people don't even know you, you got an injury, but sometimes you can only repair it to so much. That's just how the body is like, okay? And so yeah. if you can bring it down to two fingers, that is recovery. Recovery is two fingers or less. Mine is still two fingers, but when you get to two fingers, you can do all the exercises you want in this world, all the hardcore stomach exercises that you see. But in terms of how long it's going to take you to get down to two fingers or how long it's going to take you to get from five fingers to four fingers or from four to three to from three to two and so forth, it depends on how often you do the exercises. Right. And so I always um, encourage people try to do at least two of these exercises that I demonstrated on the video, two exercises every day. OK, they are very quick and very easy. The way I got to do mine was I would do them in my bedroom on the carpet next to my bed before I left my bedroom in the morning, before I went to brush my teeth, before I went to take a shower because once you get out of the door here comes one child mommy i'm hungry you're not going to remember <laughs> yes you know as soon as you come out mommy breakfast as soon as you come out mommy i had a nightmare and so i would get out of bed because i woke up a little earlier than my kids get out of bed do my exercises and honestly it took me five minutes or less to do two exercises every day you can do these exercises while you're driving. Some of them you can do while you're driving. You can do while you're sitting in traffic. You can do it while you're watching TV and there is a commercial. And so I think doing two exercises every day, you know, it sh should be something that should be workable if you want to close this gap as quickly as you can. If you do that consistently, I tell people by the time your child is one year old, you should see significant improvement. Some people, by the, by the time the child is one, they've already repaired it all, all of it, wow. right? Yes. And so by the time your child is one, you can be done with this split. So what if, um, so will this work for a mom that has a two-year-old and just found out that her problem was diastasis recti, or does it have to be healed six weeks ASAP, ASAP? No. So I actually have a, a co-worker whose um, child is 22. They just moved out of the house and she watched my video and she said, I have a split. And I said, you can heal a Wait, split. Wait, did you say 22 years old? Yes, her child is 22. Wow. And she got diastasis. She has diastasis recti from the time she was pregnant all those years ago, but never healed it. And she has been working on her diastasis recti and she has seen improvement from doing those exercises. And so your child can be any age. It is not just for the new mothers. It's for all mothers. But just like with any injury, the quicker you work on it, the better, right? Because your body changes and the, the longer you wait, the more injury you do to it. And so that means you're going to start at a much further place if you wait for your child to be 23 or 22. Okay. And so as long as you, you still have a child and you've had a baby in the last 20, 10, 15 years, five years, you are still in a good place to start doing it today. Okay. That's 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 good to know. I just wanted to clarify for the listeners because we have like a broad range of um, situations with zero to seven years old. Um, so that's good to know. So the the last question I'm gonna ask you, well, the second to the last, the this is the last for the audience, and I have an extra one for myself. So, <laughs> so the last question I'm gonna ask you is, what if a mom found out she has this she has diastasis recti and how can she prevent it for the second child does it mean she has to do all of these exercises before she gets pregnant again or is there something else she can do to limit it happening again 
for the second or third or fourth child. Yes, and 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 that that is a. I'm, I'm glad you asked that question um, because I, I um, know a lot of women who always feel that exercise in between children is a waste of time because you're gonna gain all the weight back or your belly's gonna get big again. So wait till you're done with all your children, <laughs> yeah. then start. Very bad idea, and you're setting yourself up for even harder work in the future. It is advisable to heal all injuries in between every birth, to lose all baby weight in between every birth. Because what happens is that it brings you closer to healing every birth you have, right? And so I look at it like if you have a diastasis recti of three fingers with a first child and you don't heal it, you already start with three and you have a second child, you get two fingers more. Now you are at five, right? <laughs> yeah. And then you get a third child, you get two more. Now you are at seven. And so the bigger it is, right, when, when it gets big, and sometimes when it gets so big, the only thing that will help is surgery. And that's why you don't want to get all the way to where it's not repairable by exercise, right? And so heal it every single birth and every single pregnancy. You can even do a prevention of diastasis recti while you're pregnant, okay? And it's these same exercises that we use to heal, these same exercises that I did in my video to heal the diastasis recti, these are the same exercises that you use to strengthen your diastasis recti so it doesn't split with pregnancy. And that's, and so for women who are newly pregnant or they are thinking about getting pregnant, the best advice I can give you is get in your best shape ever before you get pregnant because it's so much easier to bounce back if you are in a good shape to start with. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, it, it probably even gets you pregnant quicker anyway because you're now more attractive. <laughs> so, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so my own question now is, I think I was watching you eat fufu African fufu and you said something about cauliflower and that it tastes good. What's that about? How can cauliflower be African fufu? How can it taste good? <laughs> so actually um, I get I got a lot of questions about that because um so I I was researching the ketogenic diet for some of my followers who were looking to lose weight and they were doing portion control but they were not seeing the results as quickly and so that's why I said the ketogenic diet because people see results quickly they stick to it and they get to their goal right and so I started researching you, because if you're in the ketogenic diet, you can't eat a lot of carbohydrates. The only carbohydrates you get to eat is like 20 grams of carbohydrates for the whole day. And that is very, very little carbohydrate. And so you can't eat fufu. You can't eat banku. You can't eat kenke. You can't eat tiozafi. You can't eat rice. It's so much restriction. So I started researching how can people who are doing that diet still find a way to eat things that taste like fufu, etc. So... I found that cauliflower or mm -hmm. things like, actually, I'm going to make more videos on um, things like cabbage and eggplant and how you, yeah. can, how you can use those things to make fufu. So cauliflower, I found that if you add a little bit of what we call psyllium fiber, um, psyllium fiber is um, a binding agent. It's a natural fiber. Um, it's also called psyllium husk. It's easy to find in the baking aisle or easy to find in the grocery store. If you go on Amazon, it's on Amazon. Psyllium fiber is very easy to find, um, depending on where you live in this in the world. Yeah, um, I can see it on Walmart Ghana, right now. I'm googling it. I can find it at Walmart. So I'll put the link. For, yeah, I'll put the link for the audience. It. Yes, um, you, you, you can certainly find that. And um, I can send you a link as well that you can okay. use to get that. And what, what happens um, is when you use a little bit of psyllium fiber, which is like a quarter um, teaspoon, quarter teaspoon to about half a teaspoon for a whole head of cauliflower, you can actually make it into fufu. 
It's, you know, the process is very quick. It's very easy. And it tasted just like fufu, guys. And I'm not even kidding you guys. It was, and I was just surprised. Um, then it, I'm not on a ketogenic diet. And so I don't need to eat that. But I wanted to find out if I were on a ketogenic diet or if I wanted to lose weight. You don't even have to be on a ketogenic diet. If you're just looking for something that is low carbohydrate so you can cut down on your calories to lose weight, great option to mm. use things like cauliflower, um, eggplants and cabbage. And, um, you can put a link of my video as well. And hopefully people can stay tuned for more yeah, I will. so they can see the process of how I, I make, um, these, um, different swallows and fufu and all and that. And that's YouTube, right? That is on YouTube. YouTube. Okay, yes, yes, that's I'll correct. And this is a good way to round up today's episode. It's been fantastic having you on, Audrey. Thank you for shedding the light on diastasis recti. We've been informed, empowered, and inspired to change our lives. Thank you so much for your um for being in the guest chair today. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Did you like this episode? If you did, I would love you to do just two things. One, share it with a friend, another mom who you think will benefit from this episode. There's love in sharing. And two, I would love to get to know you better. Let's chat. Book a free call at dreampermit.com slash chat. Or you can send an email to emma at dreampermit.com. That is E-M-M-A at dreampermit.com. I'll be waiting for your calls and emails. And until next time, stay fabulously gorgeous. And remember, motherhood is not a hindrance. It's an advantage.